I bet you only thought there was going to be 14 episodes of 99th episode, but no, there are 15 episodes, at least as of now. So hold on to your hats. Another one's coming up. I don't know if I necessarily want this on the show. Yeah, you know, why don't we, why don't we cut that whole part? I, I don't like talking about work on the show, but it is so good that that's got <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, start the show properly then, huh? Welcome to take two of the start of the show. We just had a 10-minute conversation that you're never going to hear because uh, it wasn't as uh, as positive as we like to keep things. So, Yeah, and it was more of just a conversation between friends, not a conversation between friends about entertaining things. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I don't know. Masks are pretty entertaining sometimes. Well, it depends on the mask, I guess, right? Yeah. My son got some cool masks. My mom got him a pack of, like, Halloween masks that, like, Crayola put out. So there's, like, a jack-o'-lantern one, and uh, I can't remember all. I think there's, like, jack-o'-lantern mummy. Uh, I can't remember the, all of them, but they're pretty cool. And he was, like, kind of excited about them. He, he's been super good about wearing masks. Like, he's a good kid. And he's going to school two days a week, so he has to wear masks all day at school. And one day... He wore, uh, after he got them that week, he only had one day of school because the other day he would have gone was like a, a teacher workshop day. And he wore the jack-o'-lantern one and everybody loved it. So he came home just all like proud and happy about it. So that's pretty cool. Cool. That's actually like Halloween is tailor-made for <laughs> these days of covering your face up. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to so, get, get some Halloween masks. Yeah. Yeah. That or being a Scooby-Doo villain, I think, are the, are the two things <laughs> that work really well. <laughs> or or being a, a part of Cobra. <laughs> That's also uh, very good. They're they're very good about masking up in Cobra as they try to take over the world. I was going to say, speaking of Cobra, I was I was actually just thinking of that Baroness action figure that uh, that I helped you find. Yeah. Is, is that the end of sentence? I expected you to say yeah sooner to prompt my next sentence. Then it was I was like, I'm just going to let this linger here. No, um, okay. we, we, you and I were talking about that briefly the other day. Um, I forget how it came up again. But uh, I commented that uh, it's I find that it's very hard to make or you don't see often female action figures that look really good. And that one looks really good. So mm -hmm. that I I wish that they didn't sell it just with the motorcycle because like spending twenty bucks on an action figure is pushing it enough, but spending forty bucks to get a motorcycle that I really don't need was you know I could do it. Um, but that one was really awesome. The other one I've seen that I thought was really awesome was uh, Storm, uh, Marvel Legends Storm figure uh, was one I saw that was really cool. But yeah, a lot of times which, I think, which one at this point because now there are like three it was or the four for storms. Mohawk Storm. Oh yeah, I. I think Mohawk Storm is a really, really great figure, and it it works really well for the figure form that they have yeah. for females. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's why I got it. Like it, it was at one time my only random X Men that I had in Marvel Legends. Yeah, of of course you've helped me ruin that. <laughs> yeah, I need to get that but, box in the mail to you. Still, I have it all in the box. I literally just got to put a little bit more packaging in there and tape it up, and it's done. But I will probably get that done today and uh, hopefully drop it in the mail tomorrow. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love that figure. The Mohawk Storm Legends figure just, I thought, looked outstanding. So I went and got that one. 
All right, so listeners, now you have a job to do. If you have yeah. uh, cool action figures of female characters, uh, text us – or not text us. I, I hope you don't have my phone number, listeners. Uh, t- tweet <laughs> us uh, pictures yeah. <laughs> of these cool action figures. Yeah, I have a, a Ray figure from Star Wars that I I like quite a bit. I think they did a, a pretty decent job with, with uh, the one I have of those. Uh, I've seen a lot of others that I'm like, ah, I just don't like this very much, and so I haven't gotten it. But the one I do have, I like quite a bit. Nice. Yeah, I, I haven't exactly paid a lot of attention to Star Wars action figures. But, uh, yeah, you'll you have to, well, I guess I'll look through your, your giant tweet thread of uh, action figures and see if I can find it. The other one I'm really looking forward to is, um, have you watched The Mandalorian? I have not yet. And you know what's okay. funny is my son saw a commercial for it somewhere the other day and was talking about it because he he's not much of a TV show watcher, so he assumed it was a movie. I said, actually, it's a TV show, so there's a whole bunch of episodes that we could watch. And I said, do you want to watch that with me? Because we've talked about this before. I think my one chance of actually starting to like watching Star Wars is if my son wants to watch it because it's the kind of thing that like i could invest my time doing it with somebody else but like by myself i'm just like eh, there's something else i'd rather be doing but yeah so he showed interest i've heard great things about the show um i you know i think it will be something that i enjoy but yeah so anyways we haven't yet but uh it's on the horizon okay i guess there's two things i have to say about that i think you'll like it and i think that uh a lot of the reason for that is that it feels like it's more of a it's it's like a cross between a samurai and western. I, I think we've talked about how westerns, like the western cowboy and the samurai, is basically the same thing, just yeah. east or west. And it's that type of film, just set in the Star Wars universe. Kind of take that idea and figure out how to implement it within the world of Star Wars, rather than just the genre being Star Wars. Because in, in, in a lot of ways, like, Star Wars has become its own genre. Yeah. And um, it is no longer kind of a reflection of other types of movies being told in the Star Wars universe. Now it is basically just... <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just Star Wars is the genre <laughs> in, in a lot of ways with a lot of Star Wars product. But Mandalorian feels different in that it really does feel like that wandering cowboy slash wandering samurai story set within the Star Wars universe. So I think it it does a little bit to go beyond just being Star Wars-y. Yeah, I mean, the obvious relation that I've seen people make that just just looking at it from the outside even, if I hadn't even heard the feedback, I would make the association is uh, with Lone Wolf and Cub. Which yeah, obviously it's a little different because yeah. yet yeah, Lone Wolf and Cub, it's um, you know, it's a, a man and his son, not a bounty hunter and some freaky alien baby he found. Yeah, I mean, like that—that's the obvious one. I love Lone Wolf and Cub. I haven't read the whole run of it yet because it's huge. Uh, but I actually have read more than half of it, and I have all that I haven't read uh, on Comicsology. So, like, that's something that at some point I will, like. I kind of will every once in a while jump into a trade and binge through it, but really love Lone Wolf and Cub, and I love samurai stuff, so there you go. I should like this uh, freaky space samurai with uh, weird little green babies. Okay. Who's the bounty hunter in it? He's he's related to Boba Fett, isn't he, or is he just a random other bounty hunter? He's just a random other bounty hunter. Uh, uh, it's, it's just that he is uh, 
within a Mandalorian tribe, so they all wear the same Mandalorian armor okay. that Boba Fett wore. So the only relationship is visual. Hey, so and uh, guess, other Boba Fett question. Uh, in yeah. the, the prequel movies, am I remembering correctly that Boba Fett was a kid and uh, saw his dad's head get chopped off? You absolutely. Mace Windu uh, just chopped off his head right in front of him. <laughs> and what was Boba Fett's dad's name? Jango Fett. That's right. Okay. That, I was yeah. remembering right. I was testing myself there. And then how did Boba Fett die? Well, did he die? Uh, how did he be portrayed <laughs> to, die to die in the movie? <laughs> he, he appeared to die uh, during the the fight on Jabba's sail barges in the... Uh, and he fell into the sand the pit, right? ...pit of Carcoon when Han that Solo... was such a lame death for such a badass character. Well, but the thing is, like, at the time, he was just kind of this one-off random character that was kind of just like, eh, who cares? It'd, it'd be like... Uh, such a lame death for that uh, that one X-wing pilot <laughs> that they showed a few times. Like but he was, was such a good almost... X-wing pilot. I mean, he had to be good to be there, right? So sad. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I picked the wrong fight. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying, and that's um, it does make sense. Yeah, because I mean, he uh, he's a character that like now has this, this like mythology, you know, has been built up quite big. But yeah, I mean. I don't know, it just, it always struck me as funny, even watching that movie when I was younger, like, that death was the weakest death, like, even just by who cares about this character deaths, like, it was equivalently bad to, like, the stormtroopers that can't hit anything while shooting, and then, like, you know, Leia takes two shots and kills five of them, and they just flop down, you know, like, it was just, it was just bad. Mm -hmm. He just crashed into the side of the ship and fell off into the pit, I mean, yeah, it was so lame. Yeah, it was like tripping and falling to your death. (laughs) <laughs> I know, and, and then and then the uh, the sarlacc burped after it ate him, and that, it was basically the entire thing was done for that joke of the sarlacc burping after eating Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett went down for a burp joke. That's the yep. worst. Oh yeah. man! <laughs> All right, I, I, I can't watch the Mandalorian now. We just talked down Star Wars too much. Uh, but like I said, it's not that <laughs> Star Warsy. But anyway, where I was going with this is. Uh, one of the characters is played by Gina Carano. I don't know if you know who she is. I know I've seen her name from people talking about her, but I think it was in regards to the show. So please okay. do tell. She, I guess she's like an at- actress. She was like a... Uh, also, she did some like um, mixed martial arts competitively and stuff. Oh. So she's like a, a big, strong woman. And... Uh, like she's not just like uh, the typical petite dainty woman wispy 98 pounds or whatever that you see on american television like sh- she's a uh, uh like not overweight or anything but just very big and bulky and strong mm-hmm. and um her action figure is that i'm waiting for to arrive <laughs> of course cuz <laughs> i'm a dern is uh they similarly like made her uh, like with a different typical than the typical action figure female mold to match that so i'm actually really looking forward to get that figure because it's it's uh they were actually accurately portraying a different female body type rather than you know marvel legends every woman is literally stamped in plastic to have the exact same body (laughs) a lot of times and so uh, I think that that's really cool that they actually 
created like a new base figure type like body type for her to accurately accurately represent what she looks like that is awesome yeah and that yeah. that's the a sign of like quality craftsmanship and action figures like um an example i could think of with a male action figure but where they they aren't really trying to get the body type right they're just trying to make it like kind of fit into the action figure mold so you know professional wrestling lots of different body sizes in in that um, one of my favorite wrestlers is named Kevin Owens, and he's a he's a big dude. Like he is, um, he's strong, but he's also you know he's he's a rounder fella. You know, not not trim and, and fit and cut like uh, you know some of the guys would be. But I mean, he's super strong and very athletic. Like um, for being a, a very large guy, he uh, some of his go to moves is a, a moonsault, a frog splash. So he does like some high flying stuff. Uh, that usually don't see bigger guys do that. It just kind of goes to say what his athleticism is. But his figure doesn't show his body shape, right? Like, he has no, you know, he doesn't have a big round tummy like he does in real life. Um, mm. But he has these, like, big meaty biceps, but they're biceps instead of just being big arms, which, dude's super strong. So, yes, he has biceps under there, but uh, it just it looks super weird because they're trying to make it with, like, just the mold of everybody else and it just doesn't look right, you know? It doesn't really look like him. So, yeah, I mean, having the right body type goes a long way, and it's just kind of like insulting when you're a fan and you want to collect. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not collecting wrestling figures like that, but when you want to collect something and to have it, you know, like they don't even try. That's why, like, with some things, uh, I've started collecting pops because, like, I never really collected pops before, and then I, I came across a couple of um, wrestling ones that were pretty cool. And I never really wanted to get into getting all the, the expensive wwe elite wrestling figures um because they're like 20 plus bucks a pop um and like i said some of them don't look that good because they're they're not really representing these very diverse body types well yes yeah, so like with a with a pop vinyl it's cool because it's very um stylized so yeah it's you it it you can't really portray the body accurately because they're all portrayed inaccurately anyway so portraying yeah. it inaccurately is true to the pops Yes, that's kind of a plus to that. So I, I have pretty much my pop collection consists of a handful of wrestlers. Um, the first one of which I got that opened the door for this was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who is um, is one of my favorites, even though WWE is wasting him like they do with most people. Then I have a handful of Hellboy pops uh, because there's not a lot of Hellboy stuff that you can even get. There's actually, it seems like there's more now than there was when I first came across these. But uh, I don't have all of the Hellboy Pops, but I have a few of the best ones. Um, and then I made the decision, and this is why you're getting a box of Marvel Legends from me. I made the decision to uh, grab uh, Marvel characters that I really like, which typically is just X-Men, uh, that I want to have you know something representing them. But to get the, the Pops, because they're more affordable they're easier to display. I don't have a lot of space. Like I was just running out of space to, to display stuff and it was getting cluttery and I like, I don't have a, uh, you know, didn't have a lot else I could do with it. So I sold you the, uh, X-Men Marvel legends that I had. And so far I got, um, I sent you a picture the other day, but I got, uh, the one that pushed me over the edge, made me decide to do it was a Mr. Sinister pop. that just looked super cool. Yeah. That one looks really great. That's, Typically, I'm not a huge fan of pops and uh, that type of exaggeration that they have. But that Mr. Sinister, I feel like, was an excellent use of that 
sort of exaggeration because it really captures his both his weird creepiness and also his kind of like strange glamminess yeah. that he has as a character. <laughs> it's super good, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you like Pops um my my son was addicted to Pops when he was little. He had some developmental issues and at a time like we even thought he might have been uh autistic, but then when he started in school we actually had to have him tested and the psychologist said no way he's he's not autistic. Um but he had some some quirks about him when he was really young uh the first pop i ever got was a really cool swamp thing one and he just loved it and basically stole it from me uh i got my wife a doctor who one and he stole it from her so okay we're like he will steal all the pops doesn't matter and he just he loved them absolutely loved them for a long time when he was little but one thing he would do and it took us forever to realize what he was doing but he'd hold them uh like their their face halfway up to something and look at them. And he'd just spend all this time doing this. It took us forever to realize this because that's how they're displayed on the box. Like on the packaging, it shows half of the pop figure on the packaging. So he mm. was comparing them to what he saw on the package. So yeah, like Pops, we've gotten him tons. Like for a long time, like we would get him any cheap pop we could find. Um, so like when we found ones on clearance for like three bucks, like we just, it didn't matter what they were. We bought them because he just, he loved them, you know? And we've weeded all those out. Like, he still has a pretty decent collection of Pops, but um, we've weeded them out. We don't buy them for him anymore because he, he doesn't love them like that anymore, you know? And I actually, a couple of the ones that I have, one of them is one that I got on clearance for myself, a really badass Mohawk Storm one. And then one he had picked out, which was uh, uh, Phoenix, Jean Grey. Um, I asked him if I could have those two to put in my office with the other X-Men ones that I got. And he was, he actually was very happy to say yes to that because he loves sharing. So cool. Yeah. So a little, little, little tangent on pops there, but that, that's why I have a soft spot for pops too. Like I, I didn't really care about collecting them myself for a long time, but you find the right thing and then it suddenly makes more sense. Yeah. I'm running into the space issues right now. I haven't quite sorted away all the G.I. Joes I've gotten recently, and now I have, like, what's supposed to be a bookshelf is now just a shelf full of G.I. Joes. <laughs> I, the wife has been very patient with that, but I don't think that's going to last forever, and I'm going to start to get the, hey, so are these going to stay here forever <laughs> types of questions. She and knows what so, she got into. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no take backs, honey. <laughs> yeah. I've been kind of on a kick lately of cyberpunk stuff. This has been brought on by, I think, a couple things. One, I'm really looking forward to that Cyberpunk 2077 game that's coming out. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about that. In a month or two. It looks like it's by the same people that made The Witcher, which I never played any of those games, but I've heard they're really good. And it seems like it's just kind of a big open world role playing game, but set in a cyberpunk universe, which is really like right up my alley. That sounds awesome to me. I didn't know anything about this game. And then uh, somebody at work started asking me if I uh, had heard of it and was interested. And I was like, I don't really know what you're talking about. But then, like, right after that, I start seeing the advertisements everywhere. So I, I'm, I'm very interested to hear more about this game. Yeah, I even went and pre-ordered it. So I should be getting it the day it comes out. So I'll be probably playing it right away if I can. Nice. Yeah. Or Well, I actually, I, I bought the actual physical disc this time 
because I was able to get it for $10 cheaper than just the straight digital. So I'm actually going to have to do the thing where I put the disc in the machine and wait like three hours for it to load or whatever <laughs> onto the, onto my Xbox. So that's fine. I'll, I'll be able to start playing it the evening after it's released instead of like 9 PM on the day it's released. So I can, I'm not that obsessive that I can n- not wait for that. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. I've been thinking about it because I've been looking at all these different action figures and I realized there's no real cyberpunk line of action figures. There's some kind of sci-fi stuff, but it tends to be more like sci-fi military. And in a way that's kind of what GI Joe is, is science fiction near future military. But there's no cyberpunk toy lines, action figure lines, as far as I can tell. And that seemed crazy to me because it's perfect for that because it's all brightly colored stuff, really crazy zany outfits, the type of thing that transfers really well to action figures is one of the things that um, me and another friend of mine that is really into action figures realized, like we were looking back at um, 90s characters and in particular, he had a, a daredevil action figure from, based on an outfit he had in the 90s where it was like extreme battle armor daredevil type of thing which (laughs) sounds terrible and it probably was terrible in 1994 or whatever when it came out but the action figure looked awesome and i think that thinking about it a lot of this stuff is the case that like the weird craziness and excess of the 90s kind of looks silly on a comic book page but in an action figure it looks really kind of awesome the action figures based on that weird crazy zany 90s looks better than the action figures where it's like well here's my x-man in his standard x-men training uniform that's like blue and yellow and even worse uh, than that the x-men based on the x-men movie that are they're just wearing like black leather (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's very generic and bland, but when it's like the X-Force squad and they're all brightly colored with, you know, pouches all over the place and accessories popping up all, all over them and crazy bandanas and battle armor and stuff, it makes for an action figure that looks really cool. So in a weird way, like the nineties was doing an awesome job at action figure design, even if the character design looks very very strange by uh with from today's eye yeah and i think it like i think the character design is fine in the comics too um if you're you know used to it or you know if if you like it i think the problem with 90s comics that had the character design like that is that the focus was all on crazy design and and not so much on you know the stories like the zany character design is is definitely what makes us stand. I mean, that's what made wrestling so fun in like the eighties and nineties was all the characters. And you know, as much as like um, I can go back and watch older wrestling and be like, man, a lot of these matches were crap. You know, like I got like the Ultimate Warrior, cool design, awful wrestler. Like there was nothing entertaining about his matches. Like the most entertaining thing he ever did in a match was, uh, you know, he did the thing that they used to do where you get the guy in the corner and you climb up to the second rope and pound him in the head, you know, and the the crowd counts to ten. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. So he was doing that. I think it was to Rick Rude. And then he does his, like, he stands up straight and does his, like, pounding his chest thing. And he's, like, smacking Rick Rude in the face with his penis. Um, <laughs> really awkward. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it happened. I'd have to, I, I think it was like a pay-per-view match between the two. So, uh, those of you at WWE Network, find it and see, uh, you know, see him, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, so it's like, you know, you, you look back on, on, you know, the wrestlers that, like, I watched as a kid. I don't know if you watched wrestling at all as a kid, but, like, you, you have fond memories of them regardless of how good the actual wrestling was because it wasn't about the wrestling as much as just the characters. Yeah. Um, and, you know, nowadays where the characters are more subdued, there's a stark difference between a good character and when you see in it's usually always WWE that forces characters on people and ruins the, the performance because they don't actually care about, um, whether it fits the, the, the performer or not, you know? Yeah. It's it's the same thing is true with, uh, with, you know, all sorts of design. And that, that's why I love Ninja Turtles is the character design is awesome. That's why Bebop and Rocksteady, I think are two of the best characters period is they're very dynamic to look at. And you can even portray them differently. Like, they can be, like, big monsters, or they could be goofy, you know? And so there's a lot of, like, room to, to play with how you use their character design, too. That's cool, yeah. that's I, I never really thought about Bebop and Rocksteady in that way, but you're absolutely right. They're kind of an idea that can be interpreted in so many different cool, interesting ways. Yeah. That's neat, yeah. Yeah, the... Uh, the that time in wrestling that's kind of the one time i was kind of watching it around i remember ultimate warrior and then who were the guys that wore the shoulder pads with the spikes they were like legion of the, doom look okay, at legion yeah, of doom. warriors yeah and um, then there, animal there actually like, just passed away too hawk, hawk died a, a while ago but animal the other one um he just died like a week ago yeah i think i i saw something along those lines so like that and then of course like macho man randy savage yeah. yeah, he was like, one of the best. Like, he's an example of one where he not only, like, had that dy- dynamic design, but he was one of the best wrestlers, too. Mm. Yeah, see, at the time, I, I didn't know, like, who was a good wrestler or who wasn't. I uh, just couldn't really tell because I, yeah. was, I think I was, like, 10 or something like that. So, to me, yeah, it was all same the same. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I haven't gone back to revisit it at all. Yeah, it's pretty fun to revisit. I think I mentioned this before, but like you could subscribe to the WWE network for only 10 bucks uh, a month. But like for somebody like you who you're not like wanting to keep up with what's going on live, you I mean do a free trial actually because they have free trials, but watch a bunch of old stuff. But they have like not only do they have all the old WWE pay-per-views and like all the old TV shows and stuff like that too, but they got all the WCW stuff because they bought out WCW. They got all the old ECW stuff because they bought out ECW. They have a bunch of um, of smaller territories that they own the the rights to. So like they have this massive collection of old wrestling on top of like being able to watch newer stuff. So I mean, even if you don't care about the newer stuff and just want to like reminisce about older stuff, it's it's worth it. Even if you know we've talked about this with streaming, like do it for a month and then cut it off. Yeah, but to be honest, I'm stuff. not too sure if I'm even interested in reminiscing. <laughs> I literally just told you about a dick slapping, and uh, you got to go watch it now. Believe it or not, that wasn't a selling point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah. But uh, I've been thinking about how well I think Cyberpunk would translate into action figures. 
You do know there are Cyberpunk 2077 action figures, don't you? Yeah, there's like two of them, I yeah, think, I've, that they've released. <laughs> but, I've, I've seen them in the video game aisle at Target and haven't even looked close at them. But Yeah, what frustrates me is they're McFarlane toys, uh-huh. and they make their toys in 7-inch scale. And everything else I have is either 4-inch scale or 6-inch scale. <laughs> and I was going to buy a Johnny Silverhands action figure, which is the Keanu Reeves character from this upcoming Cyberpunk but I didn't because it's seven inch. If it was a six inch figure, I totally would have bought it. But I can't put him with my other figures because he will look like a giant monster of a human <laughs> next to them. What's and wrong with that? I just it's it's not gonna look great. It's like it's gonna it's gonna stand out for being conspicuously weird rather than standing out for being cool. And you definitely don't want your cyberpunk action figures to stand out in a conspicuous manner. I, I want them to stand out because they're cool, <laughs> not because they're no, weird. I, I, I got you. <laughs> I, I definitely, yeah. like, I've tried to vary my whatever I have. So, like, I have stuff as little as uh, this little uh, Mega Bloks Raphael figure uh, is the smallest thing that I have. I have all these different shapes and sizes. So, like, I don't really care about it being, I, I guess I have, like, the homogenous stuff and then the non-homogenous stuff. But, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Like, when you have one action figure that just stands out. Yeah. Especially because all of mine is so uniform. Yeah. Everything is either four inches or six inches. And I have like these two very separate tracks going of scale and nothing else that isn't those two scales. So I, I think, you know, I, I don't even have a, a, any real variety in there already. So I'm, I want to stick with those scales I've got. Back to a little bit of a pop tangent. We were yeah. talking about wrestling pop, so I have you know a handful. I've always been keeping my eye out for you know how they have the, like the regular size pops, and then they have the medium ones, and then they have the really big ones. Well, I've yeah, wanted I've to get those. a medium one and a big one, but I, it has to be the right thing. I don't want to just arbitrarily get them. And I finally found this is a little bit ago now, um, back in July I think. Uh, I finally found a medium sized one that I wanted. That's perfect. Is Andre the Giant. So it's perfect oh, cool. because he's a freaking yeah. giant. So like it, 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 obviously the proportions are off from real life, but like it's really cool to have like all these regular size pops. Then Andre the Giant's like twice as big, you know. <laughs> It'd be cool if if you could get a one of the big pops as a sentinel to put with all your X Men. Oh, that'd be super cool. Yeah, I've that seen some cool good. big ones, but none that were like I'm gonna bl- spend thirty bucks on that for myself, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. It'll or like a Galactus day. would be a good big yeah. one. Yeah, the one yeah. I've been real tempted by is is the thing uh, mm. from Fantastic Four, just because like he's a real cool character design. But I also have like zero love for the Fantastic Four. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, I I'm gonna try to like sculpt and do a little vinyl casting of an action figure. Nice. And, yeah. That's that's like my new project I'm working on. And it's it's just going to be super basically. I'm I'm basically trying to make like original Star Wars figure level of articulation. Like if I can have a shoulder joint that rotates and a hip joint that rotates and a head that rotates, like that's that's good for a first uh, trial at this. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I'm gonna try to teach myself how to make casts and make like little vinyl molds and stuff and see how it goes. It That's sounds awesome. like a, a lot of fun to me. So put me put me down for one. I okay. will pre-order right now. Nice. All right. Well, <laughs> I I no guarantees about how they'll look. Yeah, that's um, fine. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. But because of this, I've been on like a, a cyberpunk kick. And I just read Neuromancer this week, which are, are you familiar at all with that book? No, read? I'm not. You mentioned it the other day. Um, and yeah, I have no familiarity with it. But I'm curious because definitely an area that I haven't delved into beyond like, you know, the usual ways that people get exposed, uh, you know, a little bit of comic books or movies. But yeah, mm-hmm. so do tell. It's it's written by William Gibson, who's I now known for you being just in general, I think a, a sci-fi author. And it came out in the like early '80s, and this this book has been on my list to read for almost forever. And I actually bought the book like probably ten or fifteen years ago and read it about halfway through, and then stalled out for some reason, and then. Not too long ago, I got the audiobook thinking, okay, I'll listen to the audiobook. And I started listening to the audiobook, and it was nearly impossible to follow along with. And I realized, okay, I'm, I'm going to actually have to read read this book. And this is one of those, I, I think we we talked about audiobooks fairly recently, and how some fiction is easier to listen to and follow, and some is much harder and what's really difficult about this book is it drops you into a futuristic setting, but explains no context for anything. It's like, imagine somebody from 1950 being dropped into the world of today and asking like, oh, I wonder what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. And you, and you said, well, let me just check the weather app they would have no idea what that sentence actually meant because there's, they have no context. Like there's, there's multiple things you have to explain to explain that. Like, okay, first, what is the internet? (laughs) Second, what is a cell phone? Uh, Third, what is a computer? Fourth, like what is an app? And fifth, how does all those things work together to allow you to check the weather on your small device in your hand? And the book does a lot of things like that, where it'll say like that equivalent without explaining what the technology is or what the thing is. It'll just explain what they're doing with it and force the you as the reader to figure it out as you go along with context clues. And there's some things like I didn't understand what they were until halfway through the book along those lines. Where So it's it's extremely hard to decipher because it's just throw you right in no context no explanation it, there's none of those in the future the the device he held was a device that allowed him to jack into the matrix of the internet to ride the cyberspace which is composed of blah, blah you know there's none no nothing like that good because i hate that stuff Oh, okay. Well, then you might love Neuromancer. Yeah. I I hate stuff that spells everything out for you. It's so tedious. And, like, for sci-fi stuff in particular, I think that when when you approach it that way in writing it, um, it it bogs down the storytelling, you know, bogs down the character development. And that's the stuff that, um, like, if you're from the outside looking in, which, like, I'm not a big sci-fi guy by any means. Like, I I wouldn't say I dislike sci-fi because, obviously, a lot of the stuff that I like is related to sci-fi like a lot of comics have sci-fi elements right but like as far as just reading proper sci-fi that's the barrier right there it's like it it doesn't 
like it doesn't feel like reading anything else because they get so bogged down in that type of stuff. It's just like fantasy books. Like you read Tolkien and he explains every detail of everything, which has its charm. And I think like Tolkien is a master of doing it and makes it into an art instead of just tedious. Um, let me spell everything out for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many sci-fi books. That's where it loses me is it starts to explain everything. I'm like, if you can't tell me the story good enough that I can pick up what's going on, then your story is not good enough for me. So, okay, th- yeah, so this is intriguing to me with you telling me they don't do that because that's the, the, same wall I keep on banging my head on with sci-fi as I get going in it a little bit. And then it's like, let's slow down and explain this thing for, you know, 50 pages before we get back to the story. And I'm like, I, I already forgot the character's name because I'm bad with remembering names. So like now you just made me lose your whole story because you slowed down to explain something to me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Then this may be totally up your alley because it's a pretty short book. It's it was two hundred and sixty pages, I think. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, so it's it's not like this big, long, super epic like some sci-fi and fantasy can be. It's a very short, tight, concise story. But I had to read it like at half the speed that I typically read a book because a lot of the sentences would just include combinations of words where I don't immediately know what it means. I would actually have to think about what these combinations of words mean because they're not a combination that just means something, you know, it's like, instead of saying he opened the refrigerator and pulled out a carton of milk and poured himself a glass of milk and drank it, it would be something like he opened the fresher and got a zip to drink it's like what (laughs) (laughs) you you know uh so it's there's enough clues to understand okay wait so this whatever they just said is like a drink that they must have in the future that you they like so okay i get it i follow along but it takes that second of like post-processing of the sentence to understand it so it it's a tough read in that way And, and it's also it's, I think, this author's first uh, long f- book that he ever wrote. And so it's, I think, a little clunky as far as things like developing characters in terms of motivations and uh, stuff like that. A lot of stuff seems to happen because, well, this happens because that's the plot. <laughs> and uh, so there's that to it. But where it really excels is in the world that it it creates which is it, it uh, neuromancer is really known as the quintessential cyberpunk novel that kind of solidified and made the genre what it is and it creates it shows this world where it's like in the future people have weird body modifications there is it uses it like kind of invents the term cyberspace and uh, the matrix uses the word, the matrix to describe the basically like the internet that people plug into and jack into, to access information from all around the, the world, wherever they are. It brings in like artificial intelligences and hackers that are trying to hack into like big corporate mainframes to release information from them um it like grim gritty 
locations like you would expect like straight out of Blade Runner and stuff like that it kind of just all of this just comes out in this huge explosion in this book that where it hadn't really taken form before so it was almost like cyberpunk went from zero to 100 just with this book and uh so it was really interesting to read along those lines because i i thought it was in the end like a really cool interesting story that it told awesome yeah and like I like that it's a, a page count that's approachable. Because, I mean, like, I, I read plenty of really long books. But for it to get into something new, like, when every, um, you know, sci-fi book is massively long because they do that thing we were just talking about where they ha- they explain out everything. It just, like, it, it gets to be... It, it's hard. Like, if you can push through a book, you can really get your momentum going. So, like, if it's something that's that, like, this would be new to me a book that's under 300 pages like by the time i got to the point where i was like i don't know if i want to finish this i'd be far enough along and be like well i'm gonna finish this because i already am this far through it you know sure um mm-hmm. so like that's definitely enticing um i love the not explaining everything because just like i said that's what bogs things down that's interesting though and it sounds like the way you're describing it it's kind of like uh might suffer from the the elements of being the first to do something and then it's you know other creations take it and do it better because they have the template so like it can get diluted over time and then you look back and it doesn't feel as special um but for me where i've never read anything like this probably be a good thing to start with so that way i don't read something else that like took the model and did it better i read what made the model you know yeah because as i was reading it there's so many things I came across where it's like, oh, this is where this movie got this thing from, or oh, this is where this book got this thing from, or oh, this is where this TV show got this thing from. Uh, over and over, I kept seeing things like that where it seemed very clear that this was throwing out an idea that had then been kind of worked on and worked on to create something else eventually. Nice. Yeah, it's always fun to get those reveals too. Like, I've had that that the most in my life with uh, listening to underground hip hop, and then starting to get into old school hip hop, and then finding all the references um, that that you know were made in the music I was already listening to. Like, it's so fun to have those reveals. Like, oh man, he took this line from this this you know classic song. Yeah. So like that stuff is is really fun. Cool. Yeah. And. Uh, to give you an example of it, it's a, how easy of a read it is. When we talked l- last weekend, I hadn't started the book, and now I'm done with it. So I finished it, and it went in like four or five days. Nice. So, yeah, it's a, 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 like read 50 pages a day, and boom, you've, you have it done in a work week. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm, was, I'm in like dragging mode on everything I'm reading right now. I need to just switch it up and read something a little more enticing. Because everything is like, read a few pages, eh, I don't feel like this. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But what I'm finding is, like, there aren't a ton of cyberpunk works out there. And as I'm looking up, like, okay, what are the best cyberpunk anything? There's a few things that always keep coming up. Neuromancer is always way up high on the top of the list. Another book that I have read, Snow Crash, is always way up there as well. And then it's like The Matrix, Akira, the anime Akira, and uh, Ghost in the Shell, the anime Ghost in the Shell. And 
after that, it, it kind of seems to uh, peter out and turn into much more obscure things. I think uh, also Transmetropolitan is kind of cyberpunk. It's yeah. kind of Hunter S. Thompson meets cyberpunk in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm, you're getting me more and more intrigued in, in uh, giving that another go. All right, good. Yeah, because that may be one thing that I get to eventually again is getting through all that. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm very kind of interested in this idea, and I realized it it hits on two of the big things about who I am, which is that I, I grew up listening to punk rock, and punk rock is is still what I like listening to most, and punk rock really influenced my early thinking about a a lot of the way I I see the world. It also just influences me musically because that's what I like most. Like I'm just, I'll be listening to punk rock my whole life. It's just part of who I am. And so like it borrows from that punk rock aesthetic, but also it brings in this super nerdy, intelligent computer geeky side of it as well and so and i'm kind of a big nerd (laughs) obviously (laughs) and so it combines these two big things like nerdiness with punk rock is kind of what cyberpunk is and so it is very much uh aligned with with my sensibilities and i think that's why i've been really wanting to dive into it more and, and and kind of experience all the parts of it and also start thinking about well what are my ideas about what cyberpunk would be or could be so it's it's been a lot of fun and and interesting and i'm i'm gonna keep going down this rabbit hole i think a bit nice i actually i i got the first volume of akira um somebody on twitter uh was selling some stuff for super cheap and um, so I, I hit them up because somebody else had posted that they got some good stuff. And um, I ended up getting four uh, manga from them. And one of them was Akira. And like to show you how good it was, I got four manga. And with shipping, I spent $22.50. Um, so really good price. Um, but yeah, so I have Akira to read. I actually read a little bit of it because I checked it out from the library. But I just wasn't quite in the mood at the moment for it. Um, but that's one I've been wanting to check out. And just kind of, I also had checked out a... a some volume of ghost in the shell and just didn't really feel that engaged by it. And mostly what I've heard from people is that Akira uh, has more depth than ghost in the shell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I, I'm interested in checking out both of those just f- at least for the sake of being, you know, having some familiarity with them with, you know, how well known they are. But yeah, Akira, I read a bit and was definitely enjoying it. So I'm, I look forward to uh, keeping going there. Interestingly, People don't really bring up Akira the manga as much as Akira the anime as uh, an example of, of cyberpunk. And I think that the anime does capture a lot of the frenetic energy of cyberpunk that the manga doesn't quite because the anime is just kind of like rush, 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 get through this story in two hours. Uh, whereas the manga is six volumes. It really takes more time with it. Yeah. So I, I would also recommend the akira anime it's really cool yeah i'll have to i'll watch that sometime um i theoretically watched it once before when i was uh probably uh an older teenager uh like just out of high school um i recall falling asleep during it Hmm. um (laughs) but uh not that's not necessarily reflecting on the movie 
probably I was just exhausted. Yeah, I think even just watching the the first like ten or fifteen minutes, which is the bike battle, mm-hmm. is is worth it. It has awesome music to it. I think the it's t- on Prime also, so it's uh, it's, it's watchable. Oh, cool. yeah. If it's not on Prime, I know it was on Prime at one point, so I'll check and see if it's still on there. I, I need to start trying out some anime. Um, there's you know a variety of stuff available, and I just I don't have as much time. Like it's easier for me to take time reading something than watching something because like if I'm watching something, then that means that you know those around me are being exposed to it too. So like if yeah. it's you know profane mm-hmm. or violent or something like that, you know that. Like, I can read a book sitting next to my son that is, the book is incredibly inappropriate for him. I can't watch a TV show that's inappropriate for him in the same room, so. Yes. Limitations. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of the kick I'm on, and that's. That's a good I kick, guess. so you're going to build action figures. Uh, I think also what I heard is there isn't enough cyberpunk uh, books out there, so now you have to write one of those, too. Oh yeah, of yeah. course, yes. Simple, <laughs> no easy. Problem. I add add to the lexicon. So, uh, you said that you had a question for me that you had in the hole for some time, and uh, now that you told me that you have it, I want to know what it is. Okay, yeah, we're we're kind of we're getting close to an hour, so I don't know. Um, maybe we can do like a the the top, like the the quick thoughts on it, and then maybe we can dig into it a little bit more at a future time. Okay, but my question was because I know that kind of how I, my getting into music was through punk rock. And that was the music that really I latched onto and was the thing that uh, really became a a big part of who I am and and what I really like. And it sounds like for you, that was hip hop and a lot of like underground hip hop indie hip-hop so similarly to like how i got into a lot of underground punk rock you got into like this underground hip-hop and so what i was wondering is where where does somebody start that's a good question in like indie underground hip-hop and and i i think i'm i'm interested more in the the stuff that is would be considered on the like indie underground side because that's that's what i like in the punk rock is like most of the records i have are by bands that nobody's ever heard of yeah and that, i mean that's where the connection started with me because i i didn't start out with hip-hop i actually started out getting into punk um and when i was in high school i was listening to um you know like i i wouldn't say i was in any like really underground stuff because i didn't have the real capabilities to do that um, but like I was into to Rancid and and Less Than Jake and Goldfinger. I mean, obviously some of that stuff is is like ska or ska punk or whatever the hell you want to call it. But mm-hmm. um, I saw Strung Out and Pulley live in my hometown once. That was a really cool show. I saw the Aquabats. Uh, that was a really cool show. Yeah, uh, I saw the Aquabats. That was a really fun show. But yeah, so like I was I was uh, getting into. To, to punk and related material. But then what I found was I was running into not having more depth of what I liked. You know, I wasn't getting exposed to, or maybe I wasn't, um, wasn't interested in some of the, like the classic punk stuff that nowadays I can appreciate more. Like as, you know, as an older adult, I've listened to like dead Kennedy's some and some, you know, some stuff like that, that I just did not get into when I was younger. 
you know, I ran into like, okay, I start listening to Blink-182 and then pop punk starts and then like half the music I listen to just goes pop punk and uh, I didn't like it, you know? Uh, so, mm. you know, stuff like uh, Green Day had a short shelf life for me. Um, Blink-182, like all that stuff, just like, you know, the pop punk just, it didn't have that edge that was interesting to me. And when I got out of high school, I ended up getting a, a job where somebody that I had one class with in high school that I vaguely knew worked there. He's like, oh, yeah, we went to school together. And then we were just like friends immediately. Another friend of mine was really into rap and dabbled in making his own music. And my friend that I met at this new job uh, was friends with a bunch of people that were making music. So there were DJs and 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 producers and rappers and like a big group of people that were just trying to make music. And, um, so I introduced my other friend to them. They immediately became tight friends. And then I had like this whole group of friends. So they're the ones that, that introduced me to all of this stuff. And like I said, it stemmed from punk. And I remember going to Amoeba's music over and over and over with my collection of punk CDs. And, um, when you trade stuff in there, it's funny because it's not like they just have a database where they like scan the barcode and tell you what things are worth. Like it's somebody like looking at something and being like, eh, I want these. I don't want these. And I'll give you this much. And I took my CD collection. I took the same CDs every time I went and they would take about half of what I took every time. Hmm. Uh, and eventually they took them all because it's like, you know, when you have this big stack, you just are like, well, I want these and I don't want these because you're choosing like what's best. I don't know. It's, just, it's yeah. kind of funny to me, like how arbitrary that stuff is. But anyway, so they, um, I, I slowly traded in my my collection of punk CDs and stuff, and started getting uh, these indie hip hop CDs. Um, the the artists that they exposed me to, some of the names that uh, that still stick with me the most is um, Sage Francis, who uh, he was the first rapper to sign with Epitaph. Uh, he has his own label now, um, and he definitely doesn't release music as much as he did then but like you know there's a lot of other people on his label Aesop Rock is another one that is still uh, making music much more uh, prolifically Aesop like the fables yeah okay yeah Aesop Rock um, one that uh, I, I didn't like him as much back then but I like what he's doing now uh, LP he's in a group uh, with Killer Mike called Run the Jewels and like they have been releasing albums and I think like they're actually getting more attention. Like when we got our new vehicle, we got a free trial of, of Sirius XM radio or whatever. And uh, the whatever radio station my wife likes to listen to actually plays a run the jewels song, even though it's like it's um it's like an alternative rock station. They're playing, you know, a rap song, but. Then, so you know, some other ones like uh, Soul was one that I liked a lot. That he actually he lives in Maine. I've met him a couple of times. Um, he, yeah, I. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I'll I'll let you finish. I know you've you've talked. Yeah, I was gonna say I know you've mentioned him. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I like he's he's continued to make a lot of music. I liked his first few albums a lot, and I haven't really kept up with him since then. Um, his, I think his lyricism is still similar, but, um, the, the musical production is what's different. And, you know, that's where it's like, I like the other stuff better. Um, buck 65 is one that I really liked. Um, but if you want to start somewhere. Yeah. I, I think what I'm, what I'm wondering is like, can you give me three albums that I would be able to find on Spotify yep. that 
I could start with, and maybe I'll listen to those this week, and then maybe we can reconvene after that. Yeah, like so next week on it. I think one artist that that you'll like the quickest um, is Aesop Rock. Uh, okay, his lyrical content, his lyricism is uh, very interesting. Um, I think you'll really like Aesop Rock. Let me double back to him to recommend some albums. Uh, Sage Francis, my favorite Sage Francis album is called A Healthy Distrust. Um, so I would check that one out. Uh, one of his songs on there, he has uh, Will Oldham, a.k.a. Bonnie Prince Billy, doing the hook on the song. And that's actually what exposed me to Bonnie Prince Billy, who is uh, now one of uh, my favorite artists. Bonnie Prince Billy did a uh, Johnny Cash covered one of his songs and he, he performed on the song with Johnny Cash. So that's another little exposure to, to him. Let's see. So, yeah, I mean, Sage Francis is a, a really good one. Uh, who else would I want to recommend? You know, one that a lot of people like is uh, is Atmosphere. Like, I've never been as big of a fan of Atmosphere, um, but just like in general, uh, they've been pretty popular. You know, you know what other one I'm going to recommend uh, is Idea and Abilities. Let me see where I put my phone. I'll have to look at the name of the album because I'm blanking on it. Um, you know what? I'll send you the uh, specific album titles offline so that way, like, we're not taking time with me looking at them up right now. Okay, um, sounds good. Yeah, Idea and Abilities, really good, like, DJ and rapper duo. Really good fast raps, too, when they have songs like that. But their last album that they did before Idea died was really influenced by punk, too. Uh, so like, cool. I thought it was a fantastic album, a friend of mine who is, um, the, the biggest rap fan I know and knows like everything about rap. Like he didn't like it as much as their previous stuff, but I thought it was great because of the influence of other music in it. Um, so that one, so like, check out idea and abilities, check out Sage Francis, check out Aesop rock, Aesop rock to extend a little bit on that. He's done some stuff with other people. And one thing that is really, really cool. He did with a, a folk artist. She did, I forget, I can't remember her name off the top of my head because you know I'm bad with names, but she did uh, music on the movie Juno, which I think anybody our, our age is obligated to know that movie. Oh, really? Uh, oh, you don't know Juno? Okay. <laughs> no, um, I've never watched that. Juno was, uh, I bet I bet if you look it up, like you'd remember what it was, but it, it was... Um, I remember coming out, and I remember yeah. being one of those movies that was like, oh, yeah, everyone should see blah, 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 but I just kind of never got around to watching it. Yeah, I can't say if it's worth watching or not. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and it's not like I'm going to go and try to watch it right now. But what uh, what I think was kind of critical about it is it exposed a lot of people to a lot of uh, folk music. Like, it, it kind of, like, helped kick folk music into the popular music category. But so okay. Aesop Rock does this album. The group is called The Uncluded. It's like not included, uncluded with a U. Um, but it's a uh, it's him and a folk artist, and you know, so it's all like kind of like acoustic guitarish music for the and like she's singing and then he's rapping and it just like the mixture is so good, just so good. But yeah, so I'll send you some specific titles to get into, and then we could delve into it more uh, on another episode. But yeah, so basically, cool, like perfect. my my getting into hip hop stemmed from being into punk music and looking for more uh, more challenging artistic creations than I was finding in punk, as punk was you know getting very pop punk, and so it's mm, hard to find okay. stuff that actually was deeper without having anybody to kind of you know expose you to it because you know back then it's like you had to spend you know. 
15, 20 bucks on a CD to try it. And that's kind of hard to do if you don't have anybody telling you what's good or not. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I kind of just kind of stumbled my way through punk rock in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of crashed and burned with it with me is I would stumble myself into stuff that I didn't like. One thing that really helped me, and we can get into this another time, but when I moved to Berkeley, I lived about a 10 minute walk away from Gilman Street, which is a legendary punk rock venue and i didn't know a ton of people in berkeley so i just went there every weekend and the shows are only five dollars and i would just go even if i didn't know the bands just to go and listen to stuff yeah so i saw a, a ton of underground punk rock from all over that way yeah i mean that's kind of how underground hip hop with me we lived um we were where I grew up was like 45 minutes from LA and I went to concerts constantly in LA and they were like 15 bucks a show. Um, so it's because all my friends did, like I didn't have a car or anything even, but like they were, they would go, some of them would go to like every show for the, like the group of people that we liked, like Sage Francis. I saw at least 10 times when I lived in LA and I think I only missed one show because I didn't have money for the ticket. And one of the other people that we knew from going to shows, um, like, shit talked all my friends for not, like, forking out a few bucks each for me to be able to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so <laughs> it was that kind of thing. Like, we were just always able to go, and I saw some awesome shows. And, like, I could definitely delve into some very good experiences that I have. Um, yeah, so I'll give you a, a few specific titles offline to listen to, and then we could uh, we could double back on them next time. Cool. That sounds great. All right. Sweet. Well, I've got some uh, listening to do then this week, which is which is good. I'm always kind of looking for new stuff to listen to during the week, during my work week, because I just sit at my desk. So when I have something to listen to, some it, it works really well with some of my work tasks that I have to do. Awesome. I'm always looking for new stuff, too. So like after this, we'll have to double back the other way and you recommend some stuff that I listen to and then we discuss. Cool. Yeah, perfect. That sounds great. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap up this episode then. You can find me on Twitter at Bad Deacon. If you have any other cyberpunk recommendations, let me know. I am very interested right now. And you can friend find Paul on Twitter at Who's Paul. You can let him know how much you like indie hip-hop. <laughs> and uh, you can find all our past episodes wherever you found this one. So if you're listening to this one, the exact same place, wherever you're listening, there's more. And there's going to be more coming. So subscribe, because that's cool. So I think that's about it. Time to say uh, goodbye to our listeners, Paul. Goodbye, listeners.